0: About, In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. When we hear about the vineyard, and its destruction, and its being handed over to other tenants, the Lord is telling us to consider the possibility of failure. having gone through eight and two-thirds innings of almost victory and then nine and a third inning of despair, it shouldn't be hard for us to contemplate the possibility of failure. For Christians, failure means only one thing, damnation. There are many things which we... Um, will need to endure privations, suffering, sadness, pain, agony, all of which being temporary is something which we should embrace or at least not flinch when it comes to us because they can offer us the opportunity to grow in merit, to find another way to share in our Lord's sufferings and to be a sacrifice which we can offer up. The only thing that we should fear is hell. The Lord made it clear, don't fear the ones who can cause you physical harm. Fear only the one who can deceive you into being separated from me forever. Fear only that which, we can, which can afflict your soul forever. Now, we won't, we won't meditate on this. And St. Paul makes it very clear. We meditate, we focus on what's true, on what's honorable. Just, pure, lovely, gracious, excellent, virtuous, worthy of praise. That's what we'll focus on. That's what we'll contemplate. But before we get there, we need to consider... The possibility of failure. Some people refuse to. Some people think that hell doesn't exist. That damnation is is non-existent because God's nice and God wants everyone to be happy. It's invoked so many times. Since God wants me to be happy, therefore I have a right to X, Y, and Z. We're not that foolish, but we have to be ready to introduce those people to Jesus Christ. The people who have that idea of God obviously have never read the Gospels or have never taken them seriously. And we need to be ready and able to introduce them to our Lord, to what he did and what he actually said. There are those who acknowledge the reality of hell and and even the possibility of damnation, but blithely insist that it could never happen to them because they're nice and God would never damn to hell a nice person. Needless to say, that they don't know that nice means I don't know in Greek. It doesn't refer to anything good. Those of us who have made an attempt, are making attempts to reckon with sacred scripture and the word of God who is our Lord and Savior. Know that there is nothing that can exempt us from what our Lord warns us about. There is no person who is just so, so nice and so innocent that they'll just go straight to heaven. We are all born with original sin. Nor is there anyone so blessed and fortunate because of the family into which they were born that they are guaranteed an easy road. Perhaps insisting, my parents were so holy, and they prayed so much, I'm certain that I'll be able to go to heaven. It doesn't work like that. Rather, we know that the vineyard warns us, not just against open rebellion. It's not as though damnation is just for those who absolutely reject God. It's for those who bear no fruit. In the Old Testament, the destruction of the vineyard happened because the the vineyard didn't produce the fruit it was supposed to. Remember our Lord's parable. The servants, the three servants, given the talents in different quantities. Two of the servants were rewarded and praised. Because what they were given, they put to good use. And it bore fruit. The servant who was condemned is the servant who just buried it, still had it, hadn't lost it, but had done nothing with it. Isn't bear fruit and multiply the first command of creation? If God has given us something good, it's meant not just for our own enjoyment, it's meant to bear fruit. It's meant to benefit others. So mindful of the possibility of damnation, let's contemplate the things that we know will not fail. Namely God and His promises and His church. The promise given to us when we were baptized, making us indelibly sons and daughters of God. Certainly a claim to fame, but also a mandate To bear fruit, to do something with it. Having been given spiritual gifts, we are blameworthy if we have nothing to show for it. If it hasn't benefited others. The Lord's promise to the church that she will prevail against the gates of hell. Something bears a little focused attention today. A year ago, the Holy Father told us about this extraordinary General Assembly of the Synod of Bishops, which would take place. Asked us to pray for it, even uh, solicited our input. And it begins today. And So for the duration of it, we will keep that in our prayers. To be sure, this particular meeting, it could fail. The church won't fail, though. Perhaps we've read in the newspapers or online a variety of stories about what's been happening leading up to this meeting. Our friends who have been writing about it have brought to our attention the the fact that the, the forces of good and the forces of evil are out in the open, which is quite interesting. The headlines that usually make the larger news sources and the major newspapers obviously are predicting doom and gloom. One headline today, which you might have seen online, picking up a story from England, is that the church is about to change its social dogmas, which is nonsense. Because truth doesn't change. The teachings of Christ can't change. And the church is promised to enjoy the assistance of the Holy Spirit, such that when the Holy Father teaches with authority... It's true. That can't fail. We've been through this drama before, or mm, you have. My parents did. Years when all the newspapers and all the progressive so-called theologians promised that the church is going to change her teaching on contraception. A lot of wasted energy And a a failed meeting or a gathering of, again, so-called experts. And if we have a similar drama to endure, we know that we have nothing to fear. Those who uh, claim that the church is about to keep her official teaching intact, but change practices such that the annulment process becomes basically de facto no-fault divorce. Well, those people don't realize that we've already been putting up with that for three or four decades. Fortunately, not here in the Diocese of Arlington, but how many tribunals are there that simply give you an annulment or sell it to you? We're no strangers to that. We're no strangers to the discrepancy between the truths of the gospel, the dogma of the church, and corrupt practice. It should get us upset, but it shouldn't make us anxious. There's nothing to fear. But what we do have to consider is God wants us to bear fruit. God wants us to make a difference. It's not sufficient for us to merely maintain the faith, bury our talent, and be able to show at the end that we didn't lose what we were given. Not enough. And so then it's with confidence and courage that we stand in the breach. Since we know that the church will not fail, even if everything is is turned against it, we then individually have to have that same disposition. The willingness to stand serene and confident and faithful to the truth and able to explain it in a variety of ways to everyone who wants to consider it when everything seems to be shifting around us Confident that God's promises do not fail. And so we turn to the cross. And we see that our Lord, in offering up his sacrifice, into which he invites us to share, reminds us that failure is possible for an individual, for a bishop, for a cardinal, for Judas... For many people, for parishes, for dioceses, failure is very possible. But the church will prevail. Christ died on the cross to save us from being separated from God forever. So how can we stand before the cross and not reckon with the fact that he died so that I wouldn't be lost? Standing then for the truth and with the truth who is our Lord, we don't do so defiantly or arrogantly, insisting as though that we individually own some type of prerogative whereby we are always right because I am, you know, somebody's son or I am, you know, somebody with this degree. Rather, we're humble, saved sinners who are privileged be witnesses to the truth and are willing to suffer for the truth. And are willing to suffer not just because God has asked us to, because God was willing to do so himself, but because that's what it will take to win people over. The Lord promises that those who will remain faithful to him will enjoy his favor. And that not only at the end of time, having served him faithfully and borne fruit, will we be able to hear the words, come, my good and faithful servant. But even here, even right now, we can begin to taste the glory of heaven, the glory of God dwelling within us and us dwelling in the mystery of the Trinity forever through this sacrament, by virtue of the promise that Christ gave, which also will not fail, that he will give us shepherds. And so we praise God and we thank him for making us his servants, for adopting us as his children, and for making it possible for us to continue his work and to do even greater things besides. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of